You're inside the Players' Lounge with G. Scott. G, what are we talking about here? Taking you behind the scenes of Seahawks football. Are you jealous? I know you. I've seen you dance. KJ, you can't, you can't dance? Bobby Noah can dance. Powered by Seahawks.com. My good buddy, number 89, wide receiver, Doug Baldwin. How you doing, Coach? How you doing? I'm doing well, Coach. Good, good to see you, sir. Good <laughs> to see you. Doug, first of all, before we get going, I just want to comment on something. Um, don't don't start. Don't no, start. I have to start it. There used to be a time that you used to wear the same mm-hmm. shoes all the time. Yep. And you used to make it a big deal that you wouldn't buy new shoes. No, no, no. I, you didn't are it, wearing, I didn't make it a big deal. Y'all made it a big you're deal. You're wearing new shoes, Doug. I am. Well, because the old ones, the the cardboard fell out of them. You know, you know, back in the day when you when you had to clean your shoes, you would throw them in the washer. Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that for what seven years now. Right. And right. the cardboard fell out of them, so I gotta, I, I can't wear them anymore. Now, um, Doug, nobody can see you because we're on radio right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which Doug does your wife like better, clean shaven Doug mm-hmm. or bearded Doug? No, she likes bearded. Well, she doesn't. She don't like it that long she wants me to trim it every once in a while but she do like the curls on top of the head oh you i do notice you got some curls got some curls you know you, you like growing your hair out? i don't because i you know it's it's hot <laughs> my wife like it so happy wife happy life uh, yeah very true yes, um sir. you know this show we don't talk about football on here so therefore i want to talk about some things that's, that's going around um just recently lebron james yeah LeBron James is going to be making uh, Space, Space Jam, Jam 2. Yeah, I saw now, it this morning. Then did you watch Space Jam 1? I did, of course. Did you like it? I loved it. Somebody tried to disrespect it and try to say Space Jam wasn't the truth. Space Jam 1 is the greatest, one of the greatest movies of all time. It is, without a doubt. Now. The beginning of that movie is, is powerful. It, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think the bar for Space Jam 2 will be high? Now, you do know that LeBron has picked Ryan Coogler, who, is, who did Black Panther, mm-hmm. to be a part of this, be the main producer of this sh- uh, oh. movie. Do you think that the bar is going to be high with this show? Of course it's going to be high. You know, you got high expectations, a high standard with the first one that came out. Right. So, yeah. And, and of course, you know, I, 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 I admire and respect LeBron James for not only taking on the task of going on to L.A. and, you know, uh, trying to build his own legacy within that extensive legacy-filled organization, but then also now he's trying to follow Michael in, in Space Jam 2. Right. That's that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, another thing I want to talk about, uh, it's fall season, and uh, one of the unpopular opinions is, is that uh, fall. Fall is the best season of the year. Your thoughts on that? I don't agree. I, my, my wife thinks so. My wife, she loves the, the leaves changing colors. She loves the temperature, the weather. Uh, <clears throat> for me personally, I think spring, especially in Seattle and in, in Washington, spring yeah. is the best time of the year. But, but, but it's so unpredictable in Seattle. It like, is. I mean, so if it's spring and it's May, mm-hmm. you don't know if it's going to rain for a straight week. Right. But in fall here in Seattle, yeah. look, look what we got. You know, know. It's not going to rain. It's, it's good. It's, no, well, it is going to oh, rain. Yeah. It's, don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. But I like the... I like the temperament in spring. Yeah. I like the the not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, so, do you, I mean, you like the colors out there in the fall? I mean, to see the colors are beautiful. For sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what else is going on with, with, with Doug outside of uh, Oh, man, what work? is going on? You know, I've I really just been trying to uh, enjoy my time with my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I get the opportunity, when we get time together, we – Really like exploring, um, just figuring out more about about each other, right? Uh, okay. Individually, um, 
which then helps us figure out more about our families, you know, about how we grew up, what, what things impacted us as children that now uh, have us be a certain way or act a certain way, make certain decisions as, what, we, as we're older. Since you've gotten married, what have you learned? <laughs> what, what haven't I learned? Um, I mean, I, I know a lot of the reason why. I know the why behind a lot of the things that I used to do. Right. You know, um, I'm a big, big fan of going to see a counselor, going to do uh, therapy. Um, and I've been doing that quite frequently. And, and honest to goodness, it's, it's been eye-opening for me because, you know, as, just, as men growing up in society, you never, we're, we're always taught, like, you don't cry, you hide your emotions, you know, you got to stay strong. And I think in a survival mode, you have to do that. You just have to put aside any of the, the, the things that, um, really hurt you that really are, are pain to you so that you can continue to move on and thrive and survive um, but you know as I've been getting older and I've, I look at the world a little bit differently and you know I, I'm starting to see that the threats that I perceived as to be life or death are not really life and death threats anymore um, it's, it's giving me space to breathe and to actually dive into and, and learn about who I really am and why I felt that way before um, and so a lot of those those questions of why I acted or why I did the things that I did before, they've been answered because I've been able to, I've had the time to go back and look at it. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that point up. I mean, right now, um, our society, it seems like we're losing a lot to depression. We're losing a lot to, uh, you know, suicide because of depression and everything like that. We know about the famous folks of Anthony Bourdain and all that. But here just recently, here in the Seattle area, we've actually lost high school kids to depression and so i'm glad you bring that up about being make being okay with going to counseling and therapy and things because i myself came up doug i thought it was always considered like oh man you must be crazy you're weak you're weak yeah. if you go and do something like that yep. did you have any of those thoughts absolutely yeah when my wife first brought it up you know we when before we got married we had planned to do marriage counseling right and of course being this alpha male and you know trying to project this strength you you and like you said growing up it was always if you're going to see a counselor you're weak right so i pushed back on it you know I was like, oh, we don't need a counselor we'll be fine we'll get whatever we have we'll get through it you know having that old mindset of survival but truth be told once i went to the counselor i'm like dang like there's a whole different world out there out there that i never saw before right you know again i was always in this survival mode i didn't have time to think about you know why i was feeling the way i felt right. at times and so really being able to do that showed me how first and foremost how vulnerability can make you a better person can make you stronger can make you happier but then also how how much courage you have to have to go through that to be vulnerable you know for me to be vulnerable in front of my wife in front of another person with my wife like that was hard you know because you we've never been taught that and i'm so grateful that she forced me to do it because it showed me not only um you know, the why behind my life, but also it showed me that I can be vulnerable and still be the man that I need to be uh, to protect and provide and to be, um, you know, a good role model for my family and for my future children. Doug, what's, what's it going to take um, for it to be mainstream, for that thought and understanding of not thinking that you are weak if you yeah. want to go and talk to someone. What's it going to take for mainstream for all of us to know exactly what it is, uh, that, it's, that it's okay? Does it need to be in school curriculums? What needs to happen? Yeah, I think so. And I think a, a, a big portion of it could be, um, it, yeah, it could be, it could be in, yeah, we're talking about something serious, Bobby. You want to interrupt? You want to interrupt? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I think that, that's not an easy question, right? That's obviously sure. it's a it's a very loaded question. It's very complicated. But it, but question. you do agree it I needs do, to be more mainstream. Absolutely, yeah. and I think just doing the things that I've been doing the past few years in terms of social justice and, and working with uh, a number of people trying to get things changed here in, in Washington, you can get discouraged, right? Because like you said, like there's so much going on and then so many things happening, just like, dang, like, am I making any difference? Is it getting any better? And what I've come down to is like the only way that I know for sure that I can have an impact on this world is the way that I raise my children. Right. And, you know, I know a lot of people say that, but, like, my wife and I are really diving into this about what that really means. And what we come to land on was that we have to show our children truly unconditional love. Uh, and it's funny that we're talking about this now. It's ironic because I was watching a podcast with, um, with Kobe Bryant on it. He was talking about the mama mentality. And they asked him, like, where did he get that from? And he said when he was really little, his father told him. He, he played in a, a, a summer camp. And it was multiple games in the summer camp, and he scored no points. It was like 11 years old when this happened. He scored zero points the whole summer. And, you know, he was really beating himself up about it because everybody had played in the league. His dad, his uncle, Wilt Chamberlain had played in that summer league, and he scored zero points. And then so his dad came to him and said, hey, look, son, whether you score zero points or 60 points, I'm going to love you the same. And he said that that was, the motiva- that was all the motivation he needed, you wow. know. Like his dad telling him that it doesn't matter – you know, what accolades you achieve from, you know, from now on, like, I, I'm going to love you the same. And that, that gave him the comment. He said, well, now I can go out and score 60 points. And I'm not going to, if, if I don't score 60 points, it's not going to be a big deal because I know my dad still loves me. Right. You know? And so that, that unconditional love that you show to your children, I think, can go a long ways in forming them as good human beings. So when they go out in the world, they impact it differently than, you know, people who weren't shown that love. Sure. So that's that's my way of thinking how you can change it or how we can change it. You mentioned social justice, your, your crusade with that, and I think that a lot of people have noticed how your approach towards it. However, it seems as if when I see you and others see you, you mention the love. It seems as if you attack the social justice issues that we that we have going you attack it from a place of love my question for you is are we as a society are we getting better are we getting better at understanding because i can i can agree i, I think we can agree that we are as a society are better than we were 50 years ago mm-hmm. we're better than we were 25 years ago mm-hmm. we're better than we were 10 years ago are we better than we were a year ago? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I can't tell you yes or no. I can tell you that through all my work and all my conversations, I do feel like as a society we're lost. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that in order for you to find yourself, you have to be lost, right? You have to truly get lost. And the, the analogy that I can give you is, you know, I, I hate social media be honest with you i hate twitter i hate facebook i hate instagram is the worst snapchat and instagram are probably the worst crazy thing crazy story i was actually in the class with the people at stanford who made snapchat we all joked about like that that was this bad idea but of course they're a multi-billion dollar company (laughs) anyway point being the the reason why i say i hate social media is because especially instagram if you look at instagram it's all these people projecting um an image of their life a story of their life that's not real 
You know, it's just the good things. It's just the positive things. And the reason why they do that, not, I'm not saying everybody, but most people, mm -hmm. the reason why they do that is because they're looking for affirmation. They're looking for love. They're looking for justification for somebody to say, oh, I like you. You know? Here's a like. Right. But it's not real. It's not founded on anything. So I can post this picture and I can put this great caption on it, but is that really how I'm feeling? Is that really who Doug Baldwin is? And, and, and why, why, what's the purpose of me posting it, right? right? If, if I really care about something, then I should go tell somebody who I really care about, like my wife, like my little brother, like my mom. Like I could spend time with them. If I'm posting it on social media, what I'm really trying to do is just get the positive feedback, right? And you put up this, this projection of this positive image that's not real, and the scary thing is, is that when you do become vulnerable to somebody after doing that for so long, if they reject you, when you show who you really are, that's going to push you more into this projection, this image, you know, putting up this, this facade. And, you know, I think that our society has gotten so deep into that and projecting this fake facade, this fakeness, you know, for survival, for legitimately for survival, trying to find love and affirmation that we kind of lost ourselves. I know that I lost myself in, in social media, but I think it's necessary in order for us to find ourselves. Real quick, you said you lost yourself mm -hmm. in social media. How did you find your way then? My wife. My wife's a G. <laughs> My wife is a G. G-E-E? -E? <laughs> no, nah, not G-E-E. -E. Oh, okay. Nah, she <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but, but, but so you were lost on social media no, and you definitely. said your wife definitely yeah, helped my, you find your well, wife. Well, there's a number of things that, that have happened. Um, I'll say since the end of the, the second Super Bowl, right? I went through a tough time between the end of the su second Super Bowl till probably about a year ago. Um, just being lost, trying to find myself, figure out who Doug Baldwin is really, you know, because all my life it's been, Doug Baldwin, the football player. You know, all my affirmation, all my love has come from football. If I didn't do well on the football field, I felt like my value as a human being was down because that's what my value was in. And so really just trying to explore, like, what that meant to me, you know, uh, outside of the football world when we didn't have football. Like, damn, who am I? Like, what do I, what, a, what do I stand for? Uh, what, what are my likes, my dislikes, the real likes and dislikes, you know? And who am I, who am I as a person? And... Her being in, in my environment when I was going through that, she reminded me of who I really was. You know, when I would do things, say things, act a certain way, she would remind me, like, that's not who you are. Like, I know why you're acting like that. Because we would have these conversations, right? She said, I know why you're acting like that, but that's not really who you are. And I look at him like, you know, you're right. Like, why can't I just, I just can't, why can't I just be myself? Right. And around my wife, I can completely be myself. I can completely be vulnerable. And so she's allowed me to explore that about that part about me right. show it to her she gi gives me feedback and positive information uh, affirmation when I show her truly who I am and she's allowed me to grow in that way so you know obviously having a partner who um, truly loves you unconditionally loves you for you right. for the good and the bad and demonstrates that continuously regardless of how many touchdowns I score on the football field or not right she loves me the same way every day um, and then I lost my grandfather on September 2nd of last year and that really devastated me because that was, he's the greatest male figure in my life, taught me everything, you know, and uh, that really put life into perspective, and, you know, as a young male, especially as an alpha competitor in this football world, you think that you're invincible. Um, but seeing my grandfather, who was invincible to me in some ways, seeing him pass away, um, it really showed me the mortality of life, you know, and, and changed my perspective on things. So those, those 
that those two things in combination with some other smaller things um, really forced me to dive into who I was as a man and look at the world differently. You mentioned two Doug Baldwin's, um, and that's I've, I think that a lot of us only know the one. The one is the guy that very good on the football field, the touchdown maker. Um, that we make fun and we have fun with the angry Doug and <laughs> passionate Doug and all the different Dougs that are out there. So we know that Doug. Can you can you tell us who this other Doug is? Who you just well, first and foremost, they're the same. They're the same guy, except football is just a part of my life, right? Yeah. It is not. It not. It's not. No, I, it's not right. my life, right? Sure. It's a part of my life. Sure. So here recently, I mean, the announcement was made that you're going to be putting together, building this boys and girls club. Am I right? It's not a boys and girls club. It's a community center. Yes, but it's community, not. A boys and girls club. My bad. Yeah. It's a community center that's going to be in Renton, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. We know. We know about it. Now, why? The why? Yeah. Okay, so the why is because when I grew up back home in Pensacola, Florida, there was a a community center on the back end of the Salvation Army. My mom worked at the Salvation Army, so we, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time there. So at the back end, they had this this summer program, sports program, recreational program. And that was like my second home. That's where I grew up. That's where I played football, basketball, t-ball. I didn't play baseball. I hated baseball. I played t-ball, though. But uh, that's where I grew up. That's where I had... You know, all of my friends, all of my family, that was, that was my second home. And the people there were just, they genuinely cared about me. You know, they didn't make a lot of money. They were, a lot of them were just volunteers. They were just there giving their time because they wanted to see the youth, the younger. And they didn't get, you know, they weren't posting on social media. They, we didn't have social media at the time. but They weren't posting on social media. They weren't um, trying to get the accolades. You know, it was just, it was a genuine love and care for the children that went to that program. And, you know, I still stay in touch with those coaches to this day. Uh, the, director, the director that was there when I was uh, there, he's still the director there now. And I stay in touch with them, and I work with the program trying to bring more resources to the community center because I know the impact that it had on me can still be had on those kids that are coming through now. And so, you know, I told myself, wherever I go, I want to help bring that to life in the, in the location where I settled down at. And so Renton being a place that I kind of fell in love with when I first got here, very similar to back home in Pensacola, I wanted to bring that to life here. And, um, I, you know, the story, I went to Mama's Teriyaki, and we were, uh, Sherman and I, we were hanging out eating, and there was just a lot of kids around. You know, they just, they didn't really have anything to do. And just learning more about the community up there, they did not have any resources. They didn't have any recreational facilities. And so I was like, this is the perfect spot to bring it up to. Right. That's why. Well, Doug, um, we, we, we should do this again, man. I, I feel like... Uh, I feel like I learned a lot, even today. But I feel like others should hear those things. I mean, the why on the uh, on the uh, community center, and just the why on other things. And maybe, maybe, maybe we don't truly love Doug. But if we do more of these, maybe we, one day we can say, "Oh yeah, we love Doug." <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. All right, man. I appreciate you jump, jumping on the players' lounge, man. Of course, my brother. Appreciate you having me. All right. That's Doug Baldwin, everybody. You've been listening to the Players' Lounge live here at Cortez Kennedy's Players' Lounge. Be good, everybody.